Joining me now on Dirt Tracker Conversations, a sprint car driver, Dominic Selzy. Dominic, I want to start with kind of what your time looks like right now. You guys have been past your sprint car season here for a little bit, but what does the off season look like for you? Are, are you working at Selzy Enterprises a lot or, or you know, are, do you get into the shop and work on the car a little bit? What does is, what is your time look like right now? Man, I, I'm telling you what, the off season is the truly the best part of the year for me. I, I work full time at Red Rose Transportation, which is my mom's transportation company. And um, I think I've been here for just over a year and a half now. Uh, I, I've worked at Selzy Enterprises for 10 years. And all throughout the time I traveled, I would fly back during the week, work Monday through Thursday, fly out Thursday night, race on the weekends. Um, as that's changed, as I've gotten older um, and taken a little bit more of a, of a larger role in the family businesses, I ended up leaving Selzy Enterprises to pursue Red Rose only for the reason that there was a little bit more flexibility with my schedule um, of racing. And you know, we're a small company of eight people. So Red or Selzy Enterprises is much larger. We've got managers and staff, whereas Red Rose really doesn't. And um, my dad had some health problems years ago or a few years ago that um, I had to step up at Selzy Enterprises. And then once he was able to kind of go back to work and my uncle was able to go back to work, um, I was needed more at Red Rose as you know, my mom kind of started staying home with my dad because my dad kind of works from home as well. So um, it's it's been wild. You know, I, I, I work a lot, um, probably a lot more than I'd, I'd like to. But you know, mixing that up between work and racing and, and uh, being a father to two, I keep my off season pretty busy. Uh, I want to talk about your season. Uh, third in the NARC championship, couple of wins. Um, it felt like it was really tough this year. Corey Day, Justin Sanders, some of the guys you were up against this year. But, you know, tell me about your season and, and you know, how you kind of felt about it once it was over. Yeah, I guess if you look off a, a scorecard, you'd say it was a pretty uh, average year, a pretty decent year. Um, but if you, Followed along and, uh, you know, really were in the thick of it with us. I think you'd think this, this, I, I would say this was my best year to date. Wasn't the most wins. It wasn't the most top fives. It wasn't the most consistent year we ever had. We didn't win a championship, but I felt like as a team, we were the most consistent we've ever been. We had the best speed overall we ever had. Um, we won big races. We were successful. I would say, um, really where our downfall I feel lied was um, we, we had so many DNFs with the NARC series. You know, it's a 20 race schedule. We ran out of fuel leading one night, got crashed running second one night. We um, uh, had engine problems two nights in a row. One of them we were leading uh, that Corey and Corey crashed out on one, uh, got into uh, you know, a little bit of a crash when there was kind of a, a pile up in front of us. And if you take the average finish of the races that we, you know, were problem free, which obviously it takes, a full season to win the championship. And uh, uh, there's a saying that goes, if your aunt had something, she'd be your uncle. But um, really, if you, if you look at the season that we had as a whole and you look at the nights we had, bad nights where we were running, we would be, I mean, within five to 10 points above or below Corey in the final championship points. So I really think that our speed and our consistency, everything was there. Just we had some bad luck and it, and it didn't work out, which is fine. You know, Corey is, in my opinion, the best hands down young kid coming up. And it was awesome to see him and his team have success because they earned it. They deserved it. And um, it, it's just to me, it's cool to see a kid like that. Like they put the work in and they won the championship and they deserved it. Um, you know, we didn't have the year we wanted on the points side of things, but 
you know, we were fast when the outlaws came to town. We were fast, you know, locally. We were fast regionally. I, I mean, I can't really complain too much. I feel like a guy like you, you've, you've run with the Outlaws, you've run with the All-Stars, you know, obviously all this time with NARC, and, and you had some really good runs against the Outlaws this year, at, you know, on, on the West Coast. What is the competition level like for maybe people that don't pay a whole lot of attention to NARC? You know, what, what is the competition level like on a, on a nightly basis when you're running up against some of those guys? It's, it's great. Like, I, I think uh, Danny Dietrich and I had this conversation in depth a few years ago during COVID, like when they did the Thunder Through the Plains with the All-Stars. And we kind of got there to the end of it and Danny won one race. I won one race and we tied in points. Me, Zeb Weiss and Danny Dietrich all tied up to these seven races. And it was a great mixture of racetracks. It was short tracks, big tracks, places almost everybody that ran had never been to. And, uh, you know, I think the Pennsylvania posse guys are phenomenal at what they do, especially where they run, but they've had historically more success over the outlaws than the California guys. But, you know, now that the California guys like Justin and myself and Shane Golubic and now Corey Day, some of these guys are getting older to the age of like being a fine wine where they're, you know, they're running strong and they've been around the block. I, I feel like, you know, our California guys are as good as what the all-star product was and, and what the Pennsylvania Posse product what it was. It was just we don't have the opportunity to race with the outlaws and the all-stars as much and up until this season. We were on a different tire all year long until the outlaws came to town, which doesn't sound like a lot to the casual fan. But for a race team, when you dial in your tire program, like that, the way the car acts, the way you set the car up, all matters. So this year was the first time you've seen and since the Goodyear days, back when TK was knocking down outlaw wins all the time out here, and uh, you know that we've been on the same tire all year. And I think we saw the success. Sanders was fast. Myself, Shane Golubic, Corey Day. Several other locals were very, very strong. And I think a lot of that is now we're on the same tire. We're all racing each other every weekend together. And the 410 scene has grown a lot. So, you know, really, when you go to a NARC race, I, I like to say you get the best guys of California. But we throw 360s in and go race each other, all the same guys with SCCT. We all end up at a Watsonville Friday night show or a Chico Friday night show. We all end up at Hanford. So we're all racing each other, the same guys every weekend, all the time. There's not really many guys that go to Port Royal or Lincoln out here, you know, it's, we're all going to the same place and that really elevates it. And I think, uh, you know, even more so than, than my runs this year or Corey's runs was Justin Sanders jumping in several different cars, running incredibly strong with high limit all season long. And, you know, unfortunately he didn't win. I hope he had, but like, that's just a guy that a few years ago, nobody even knew who the hell he was. And now everyone's talking about Justin Sanders. So, um, I like to say that California has a very strong market. We've got a lot of good guys and, and it's tough to win. Nobody wins by accident out here. That's for sure. Talk to me about the, the state of 410 racing right now in California. I feel like, you know, you've got, you've got Brad and Kyle and Colby, you know, getting silver dollar going. It seems like the narc stuff is on, on the up and up. You've got Kevin Redeen up at Skagit putting big money up at, at the Super Dirt Cup. Uh, you know, do you see it from where you sit, 410 racing getting bigger, getting better out there here in the last year, a couple of years? Absolutely. Without a question. I think uh, California 410 racing went from and, and, and through my career, I've seen a lot of that. I saw the, the taper off and I, I've seen the points where it was kind of worrisome. And now I'm seeing it kind of roll back to where it needs to roll. But, you know, just a few years ago, we were all sitting around talking like, I don't know if NARC and King of the West and 410 Racing in California is even going to be thing. Now it looks like a lot of racetracks are starting to throw on local 410 events, which is exactly what we need. And 
Um, you know, I'm not a 360 hater. I'm just a 410 advocate. And I think it's great to see what's going on. And we've got a lot of great teams out here in California. And I think that's going to continue to grow. But as a whole in sprint car racing, I think Texas is a good place to look because, I mean, for how long did we see, what is a 410 in Texas? You ran 305s. You might get a handful of ASCS races. Other than that, there was no real sprint car racing there. It was just, you know, spec stuff and 305. I saw someone post they had 32 410 wing sprint car races in Texas for the 2024 season. And I think that's a good telltale for sprint car racing across the board. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we, we don't really know what's going to happen with our economy. And, and that's kind of a questionable thing to, you know, get into. And that's a whole other subject. But usually when I feel like there's worry in the economy, you see sprint car racing sort of taper off a little bit. And we're seeing the exact opposite. And really, if I'm going to blame somebody, I'm going to blame Kyle Larson. You know, I, I, I'm not going to say that I'm an outlaw guy or a high limit guy or whatever. I love what's happening with both series and, and I enjoy racing. Um, you know, I think I'm going to enjoy racing with the high limit series. I enjoy racing with the outlaws, but what Kyle's done is, you know, he's taken a discredited subpar, uh, racing world, which is dirt racing. And he's turned it into the national stage where all these NASCAR fans are like, let's go watch this NASCAR star go race at my local racetrack. And, and it's really shine a light. I feel on guys directly like me and directly like Justin Sanders, because we're local dudes that have jobs. And then we get to go race as our hobby and we get to make more money now because of it. And we have more fans coming to the racetrack. I can't tell you this year and last year, this year, more than ever, I've seen people come up to me, go, it's our first sprint car race. We keep hearing about it on NASCAR shows and podcasts. And now I watch uh, wing nation. And now I watch your show comes up a lot, actually. And now we pay attention to sprint car racing. So I have people in Oregon that never seen a sprint car in their life and they bought $300 worth of merchandise for me. And now they follow us on all our social medias. And, and it, it's huge for a guy like me and, and for sprint car racing in general off of, you know, a, basically an untapped market in the NASCAR world. You're a guy that runs both 410s, 360s. You know, 360 racing obviously has been really big in California. There's a ton of 360 cars out there. And like for somebody like me, I, I feel like you hear all the time that the cost of 360 racing has crept up, crept up, crept up. And do you think that it's at a point where it's similar to 410 racing? Like, are, are we at a point where they've equaled out? Like, I, I feel like you hear that they have. And then some other people say, no, it hasn't because you can get more races out of a 360. But, you know, explain to me what the difference cost level, you know, cost wise is between running a 410 and running a 360 on a regular basis. So for us, there's virtually no difference at all. Um, we've built our program up, you know, obviously that our family business has contributed to our race team, but over the years, it's been less and less and less and less. And our actual sponsors and partners in the race team have, have, you know, really off of the relationship that we've built, they've really helped our team. But for us, we started with a $10,000 360 that we ran 20 nights and it was, I think it was 10 years old at the time. It did its job. We had a used race car. We ran used parts. We ran used tires a lot when we got started. And now we're a race team with all new engines, full-time mechanics, um, you know, the best of the best of the best. And from a used 360 to a used 410, you can find good ones now. Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars is what you're gonna spend for a 360. For a 410, you're gonna have to spend, you know, any more thirty thousand dollars to thirty-five thousand dollars for a good used 410. But with the 410 purses, you're racing for I feel substantially more money. Every 410 race out in California, except for a handful anymore, is paying 
four to five thousand dollars. You know, the NARC standard purse is three thousand to win five hundred to start, and SCCT is twenty five hundred to win four hundred to start. Not a big difference. But then when you look at all the additional bonuses in the majority of the races on the NARC schedule, last year I think we only ran six races all year that were three thousand to win. Everything else was five thousand minimum. We've got the Dirt Cup that pays sixty two thousand, the Peter Murphy that pays eleven thousand. Now, mini gold cups, 10,000. You got a lot of 7,500 to wins. So when we look at it like that, you're going to unload for the same cost. When we drop the door, our book does, our pocketbook does not know any difference from 360s to 410s. And, um, you know, I think it varies for a lot of teams on what that nightly cost is, depending on how you run your race team. But I truly feel like, uh, you know, if, if I was jumping into the sprint car world, I would probably be bypassing a 360, going straight to 410s. I think you have a lot more options. Uh, there's a lot more money thrown out like Skagit. I don't know if I'm speaking too soon, but uh, I'm just going to say there's a lot of cool stuff going on in Skagit with Kevin Rudin and Peter Murphy. A lot of money is being thrown at 410 sprint car racing up there and it's working. So to me, owning a 410 and a 360, they cost us the same, but we're racing for more money with a 410. Uh, you brought up Corey Day a couple of times. He's a guy I definitely wanted to ask you about because, you know, you, you might be one of the guys that's raced against him the most here uh, in the last couple of years. What do you see from him? You know, wh where has he grown? Uh, and, you know, how quickly do you think it, it will take him to kind of really take hold in, in High Limit next year and, and really be up front? When does the season start for High Limit? Is it February? Yeah, they start uh, at East Bay down in, uh, in, in February. So, man, I'd say April 3rd or 4th, he'll be up. Uh, I think it's going to be that quick. I, I know they're taking March off and I'm kind of being smart ass about it, but I, I genuinely think that he's going to, he's going to struggle. No question about it. They're going to have bad nights. He's going to struggle, but, uh, they have a great race car. They have a great package. Noisy is a phenomenal, um, mechanic and Jason is probably the best leader in the sprint car industry. I would go that far, you know, with what he's doing with standard wheel. Um, you know, he, He's the best manager to have, an owner to have for a team because he knows what it takes. He's won everything there is to win. He's won back-to-back -back championships with World of Outlaws. How they're structuring their team is how he structured his team when he won the World of Outlaw Championships. Um, I honestly, I can't say enough good stuff about Jason. He's just a, a phenomenal person, incredibly brilliant businessman, and a perfect leader for a kid like Corey, who I think so much of, and I've been telling his his old man about for years how how talented Corey truly is. Um, I think he's going to be one of those kids that's going to win some big races this year and he's going to win some and they're going to struggle. But um, managing a young kid like that, which I felt we did a good job with my brother was send him out there and race the best guys. And then, Hey, go run some local stuff and run really good guys and then bring him back. And, and just racing along in California, I felt like it really heightened him because he could go run some local stuff, and run well, and then he'd run, narc stuff and, and he'd get his butt kicked and then then it kind of started to not he wouldn't get his butt kicked and um they did the same thing when he was driving for bernie on the west or on the east coast and and you know through the midwest and now look at him so i feel that Corey is a talent like my brother's where he learns quick he's very consistent it's not going to take him long to get up to speed and i saw that progression from him this year i kept ripping his ass uh, you know, we kind of got together in Tulare this year and, and he was probably, I would say, a better car than me. We were at least as good. And I had, you know, was in traffic and, and he slid me and it was just, it wasn't a dirty slide job. It was just an aggressive one. And, and, uh, you know, it unfortunately took me out of the race, but it was something like we had the conversation, you know, later that week. And I told him that you're so talented. You have to realize 
that the last few laps of the race are where you win. Not the middle half, not the beginning. Win later in the race, and, and he's going to win way more races than I could ever dream of in my career. But I watched him mature like I think like I watched my brother mature, but in a very much shorter, um, you know, shrunk down time. You know, I, I was watching him earlier in the year, and he's bouncing off the wall and costing himself chances to win races where later in the year he wasn't doing that. He wasn't making mistakes. He wasn't putting himself in bad positions. He was racing like a champion. And uh, you're going to see a lot more of that. And, you know, he's not going to know how good he is until he's in his mid-20s. But I can tell you right now, it's going to go a long, long ways. He's beyond talented. and He's got the right head on his shoulders. I mean, I don't have anything bad to say about the kid and his family and the team, the whole deal. If they can keep that thing going, you know, he's going to be talked about for a long time. Uh, we've had like kind of this last couple of years, California, you know, they, they lose one of their world of outlaw swings and, and, you know, is high limit going to go out there? Or are they not going to go out there? So now, now we know that we've got this, you know, kind of couple of months stretch now where, where California is really going to be center stage for the national sprint car series, you know, with back-to-back trips here from high limit and, and the outlaws. What are your plans for that? Are you going to run a lot of those races? And, and, you know, what, what is the feeling like for, for guys like you that are racing out there? And, and now you're going to have all of this opportunity. I'm incredibly excited. We've uh, we've been working really hard internally on our team to uh, you know try and raise funding and try and grow our schedule and 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 we're looking at a lot of different options right now. And um, you know, unfortunately, we've had some I would say pretty not major but pretty large setbacks with you know what we really want to attack and and you know full transparency. I, I would love to do uh, you know the full high limit deal or the full outlaw deal, but. Um, you know, we're trying to figure out where our budget actually lines up with that and, and how to actually get us across the finish line with still having the support from our sponsorship and still being able to make everybody happy and not have to hire, you know, another crew guy and all that kind of stuff. Um, right now, what we're looking at is we're for sure going to do a trip to the Midwest to get racing. I don't know if that's going to be nationals time. I don't know if that's going to be the beginning of the year, but um, right now we're for sure going to take a trip out there just to more or less get us back up to speed quick. Um, and there's really nothing that's going to get you up to speed more so than racing with those guys. Our goal is we want to be prepared when they come out here. So uh, I know we're going to run every outlaw as things sit right now, we'll run every outlaw and every high limit race on the Western coast. But depending on what our, you know, true schedule looks like here, hopefully I know here in the next month or so, but um, there's going to be a lot of racing out of the 41 car. I think for us, our goal, we want to win one. You know, we want to win one of these things. And, you know, High Limit is not the outlaw or not the All-Stars. Um, you know, I know that it was they were bought by the All-Stars, but I kind of like to say I, I've, won a, I've won an All-Star race. I haven't won a High Limit race. I haven't won an outlaw race. So there is room for improvement for us. And, and I think we're close. I think we're right there. So our goal is we want to win one or, or with both series. I think that would be incredible. But um, I would put a large sum of money in Vegas on the fact that California guys and West Coast guys are going to take money out of both of those series because, you know, looking at the lineups of both Outlaws and High Limit, there's some incredibly talented guys all the way down those rosters. But they have, you know, it, it's it's a little bit, um, you know, diluted. And they've diluted the, the competition on both sides, not making it easier to win, but it's going to make it easier for there to be um, you know, nights where a guy like Trey Starks knocks off a, a big win or, you know, a guy like Justin Sanders. And, you know, there's a lot of really guy, guys that are really close out here. And Tim Katie's not done. You know, if Tim can get himself in a car that is ready to win. You know, he can make stuff happen. And Justin Sanders and, or Justin 
uh, Cox. And there's a lot of guys out here that I think are really close to big wins. And I, I think you're going to see it this year more than you've ever seen with upsets from local guys. And I'm hoping I'm one of those at some point in the season. I'd actually, it's funny you bring that up because I, I had heard rumors that you were maybe considering a, a high limit run this year, especially with as many, uh, uh, California races as there are. And I know you've thought in the past about running the World of Outlaws full time. As you sit here right now as a team that could potentially go one of those directions, how do you make that decision? How do you decide, okay, Outlaws is for us or high limits for us? I, I know you've heard the pitches from both sides. I know you've talked to everybody, but how do you go about making that decision? Well, for, for, for a, a team like ours, you know, Having a guy like Jimmy Carr, when you're working with him, he's, he's done it all. You know, he's won outlaw championships. He's won all the big races. So for him, it's, you know, he's going all the places he's been to before. Where our real decision lies is one, what do we want to do as a team? You know, do we want to commit? Do we want to run all these races? Um, and you know, are, are we prepared? Do we have engines? Do we have cars? Do we have parts? Do we have everything ready to go and set to actually attack a season? Because one thing I'm not going to do is if I, if let's say we sign the, the, the contract with the World of Outlaws tomorrow or High Limit tomorrow, um, I'm not going to run a few months and go, ah, we're done. You know, it didn't work out for us. You know, if we're going to commit, we're going to commit all year long. Um, but what we were really looking at is what does our funding look like? What do we want to do as a team? What are we capable of doing with our equipment and our team? And, uh, you know, really for a team like ours, the High Limit thing makes more sense because it's not 80 some nights a year. Um, you know, personally, I would love nothing more than to see a, a 40 race national schedule and all big racing because then it's a no brainer. You know, at, at that point, it's within our budget and we can do it. You're going to get 40 cars a night. It's going to be good for everybody. But, um, you know, I, I think my heart lies with the outlaws. I'm always going to, you know, be an outlaw guy only on the fact that, you know, that's what I grew up watching. I, I the outlaws were this pedestal up here. And, you know, if we're looking at things, Bluntly, I think the, the High Limit Series might have a tougher group of guys, and I think Brad and Kyle are doing a really good job with what they're presenting and the, the product that they're actually um, putting forth, and I think their business plan is pretty solid. And, you know, so for a guy like me that, you know, racing is definitely a hobby. It's not my profession. I can respect the hell out of that, and I love what they're doing, and they're bringing more money to the sport, and it's, it's raising the competition. You know, now you have two big fish in this pond that, you know, for the last 15 years has only had one. Um, you know, I, I would love to, to be able to do both, but, you know, realistically, you know, that's, that's not possible. And, um, you know, I don't know what, what the future holds for us, but, you know, I know for me, I'm looking at slowing down more so than, than speeding up. But, um, you know, I would love nothing more than to say I'm a full-time outlaw or a full-time high limit driver before my career is over. It's just, uh, you know, for us, it's a budget thing and it's a uh, it's a time thing, you know, as well as being away from work um, with my involvement in Red Rose. It's it's incredibly difficult to just take up and leave. And, and I know that's going to be a lot of plane tickets. I know that's going to be a lot of, um, you know, late nights working when I wish I wasn't. And it's going to be time away from my my daughters and my wife. That is a big commitment for everybody. It's it's a lot more than just sitting down and figuring out what we want to do, because I've been wanting to run 100 and some races a year and then go to Australia and New Zealand for the last five or six years. So I don't know where we're going to end up. You know, there's still hope that we're going to put together something pretty incredible, but um, you know, wherever we end up, I'm sure it's going to be, it's going to be right for us. We're not going to overextend ourselves and get ourselves into, you know, one of those problem areas where we don't really have enough money or, you know, we don't have enough equipment. We're running out of engines. Um, you know, we're going to do it right. If we do the whole thing for either side. And uh, you know, right now I would say probably realistically is going to be 
a pick and choose schedule, which which may work out better for us because then we can look at the schedule and say, we're not bad on short tracks. We don't have to go to Williams Grove. We can skip out on uh, you know some of these other places that I, uh, for lack of better words, don't belong at, and, uh, and we can hit the places that we do belong at, like a red dirt or a uh, um, you know all these different places the outlaws are going. So um, either way, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to what our season's going to bring, and um, it's going to be interesting to see who steps up because there's a lot of voids on both sides to where we don't really know what to expect. High limits first year, I would have to put the house on Brad to be the champion again. And I don't think anyone would expect any different, but Rico has been incredibly fast with the the team that they've built and the product that they have over there. And I got to look at my brother, you know, Carson Macedo has been good. David obviously would have to be the favorite, but my brother was, I would say one of the best outlaws second half of the year. And, now it's year two and nobody's changed, nothing's changing and nobody's really going anywhere. So there's going to be a lot of things up in the air. It's interesting you bring up your brother because that was another question I wanted to ask you about is, is watching his progression and, and what he was able to accomplish this year, you know, really, um, you know, as such a young guy and, and being out there for the first time and, and, you know, really being, um, you know, one of the most consistent drivers all season. What do you see from him? How has he grown? Um, and, and, you know, what do you expect from him this next season? Like, do you honestly think that he could contend for this championship? So I'm a fan of my brothers, you know, and I, I like watching guys that work hard, be successful. And my brother's really put the work. Um, his car owner who I can't stand and don't like and wish he would leave me alone made my brother and I have to work out every day of December or else we got to pay into a pot. And, uh, so he's even, you know, my brother and, and Matt Barbara are even pushing me to be better and step up. So that's really unfortunate. I wish he'd lose my number, but, um, I've seen things and had conversations with my brother that I only ever dreamed of having. Uh, my brother, when, you know, when we went on our little family vacation this winter, he's talking about a game plan to success, which is what we would do in our family business is, okay, to be a champion, what's that look like? So the last few years, it's looked like 10 outlaw wins, um, you know, basically no DNFs, maximizing your bad nights to turn into top 10 runs. And, you know, my brother's looking at it like I won one race this year. The year before I won two or three. I need to maximize that into five wins. I need to run inside the top 10 every single night. I need to stay out of the B mains. I need to double my dash performances. Um, and and then with the answer on how to do that, he they break that down. And he's looking at, well, you know, our qualifying got really good the second half of the year. If we can continue our program with our qualifying, that should help us out with the main event because we're going to be starting farther up front. We need to take a little bit more chances in the main event as a driver to, you know, like the nights at Sharon and Eldora when he runs second and third and he's right there and he doesn't win. He needs to turn those into wins and he needs to turn the fifth place runs into third, the 10th place runs into seventh. And, you know, I think they have a realistic goal and plan to achieve that. Um, you know, I, I don't see my brother being outside of the top three in points. You know, I, I know there's a lot of teams that are working really hard. Donnie Schatz doesn't, you know, he's not down for long and he doesn't want to be down. That team's working hard and they know what it takes to win championships. But uh, when you have the drive and you haven't tasted it and, uh, you know, you, for lack of better words, you're trying to strive to achieve this goal and you don't know what it feels like. I think there's um, more of a desire and more of a drive to make that happen than, than you know, if you've kind of been there before. So um, I don't think anyone's picked my brother to be a, the champion of the world of outlaws, but 
I'm putting a lot of stock in that. And I, I think if he doesn't win the championship um, and it does go to a guy like Carson or, or David, which are the favorites, I think he's going to be right on their heels and I think he's going to win more races. I think he's going to be a lot more of a pain in the ass than he's ever been before. And he's 21 years old. So I would be afraid if I was a guy that was not that young having to race with him every night. So, but you're going to throw in guys like, uh, I would imagine, you know, I don't know if the out, if, uh, Roth is committed yet, but I would imagine that you're going to have Buddy Kofoid and James McFadden that are going to be incredibly tough as well. But, you know, when you have the mindset that my brother has, he's a guy I would not want to race. You've kind of, I feel like you've kind of settled in a little bit out there in California. You become one of the main guys. You know, we saw you travel for a long time. I want to know, like, if you've even thought about this much, but like, where do you think you've gotten better as a driver? Like, what skills have improved? You know, are you more patient? You know, what, what do you see from, from your own growth here the last several seasons? You know, as you've become a NARC champion and started winning races and running well against the outlaws, things like that. Well, I, I think like for, for me and for us, you know, I, I, I don't watch really any other podcasts other than yours and, and, uh, you know, the, the wing nation, but, uh, it's unfortunate that I have followers of mine that watch some of these other silly podcasts that you get, you know, people talking stuff on and, and, you know, I get the perception that a lot of people think I do this professionally and I'm a professional race car driver. And I've never been a professional race car driver. I've never done this as my primary source of income. Now, be it, it's been a great side hustle. But my goal and our goal as a team and a family and a, and a race team uh, was we have funding and we have solid funding to be able to race nationally. How good can I get myself as a driver? What can I learn? What are, you know, how much am I going to grow as a kid? I didn't go to, I, I didn't go to college. So after I graduated high school, that was what we did. We had the funding to do it. So we went out in 2016 with older engines and, and, a, a you know, a skeleton crew. And I did all the tires and, you know, we did, uh, you know, we, we did it rough and we, I think we ran out there for a few months and I ran out of cars and I didn't get to run the Knoxville nationals. And, and I, I didn't know what I didn't know because I wasn't really winning races in California at that point. But then, you know, the next year comes back and you bring a guy in like Scotty Martin to help lead the team. And, you know, I was able to work with Scotty for several years. And then in 2019, um, you know, Pretty much I did it with myself and Brandon Hickman and, and we kind of bounced stuff off each other to set the car up and, and learning that aspect. And still we're looking at our wind column and it's very, very minimal. We won some 360 and some regional stuff out there. But besides the world challenge and, you know, really that was, I would say it on the 410 side of stuff. We didn't win a lot. I felt like I was learning a ton, but I was building my base. And then 2020 comes around and we had Jimmy Carr and, you know, we went an all star race. We run up front and. You know, pretty much every all-star show we run, but we're still not there. We've changed our engine program around. We've changed our car program around. So it was a lot. To me, it was a lot of building a base. And it was 10 years of building this base of what does Dominic Selzy need? And, and what I think Jimmy added to our team more so than a voice of certainty of what we needed as a team to be successful. It, he taught me how to race and what it was like. Okay, yeah, I could win a handful of races, but what does it take to win races? And, and, and that's been the greatest thing that I've learned from Jimmy. And, and back to your question in the roundabout way of what I think it's taken for me to be successful is I learned how you win races. You know, you're not going to be wide open on lap one. You're, you know, you need to be there at the end and you got to have to save tire and you're going to have to, you know, search and, and, and run lines that guys aren't running. So when you do get to traffic that you're prepared to roll the bottom or run the middle and, um, you know, how you need to attack qualifying and qualifying better and all these things. So, I mean, by no means am I 
a top tier, you know, one percenter in the sprint car world. But I genuinely feel right now, and, and we've shown it when I went and drove Dave Lunster's car in um, uh, in Houston's a few times the last few years, and you know, filled in for Mark Dobmeyer that now. I'm ready to be one of those guys that can compete. And, you know, you don't see it or hear about it much because we're racing out in California and the West Coast. But I feel like now I'm prepared to win and I have the experience and the knowledge as a driver to be competitive night in and night out and be able to maximize our finishes when things aren't going well. So um, I guess in a roundabout way, just that that really building a solid foundation for becoming a better driver. Um, I feel I've always had to work harder instead of just being naturally talented at a lot of things and racing is definitely one of them i don't mind the hard work i think we're in a good place right now and um you know i would say on the west coast we're not in the top three uh something severe must have happened for us to not be a top three car night in and night out and, um I'm, I'm very proud of it i'm proud of where we're at i don't have any qualms of not having success when i was traveling that was the goal that's how you build your base and it took me a little longer than i would like but you know, I would I would put us up against any team in the nation right now uh, that's non-outlaw or non-high limit that I think we can go anywhere and compete with them right now. Uh, the other thing I was curious to ask you about, too, is the is the sprint car tire this year. So, you know, we saw this new sprint car tire get introduced from Hoosier, and it seemed like some guys really kind of took to it quickly and it didn't seem to slow them down. It seemed like other guys really kind of threw them for a loop. Um, and I've heard different crew chiefs and drivers talk about how, you know, they can be inconsistent. You know, you know, you, you put one on and they're different than the next one. H- how was it from your perspective? How, how did you guys kind of manage that and, and, and adjust to it as, as your season went along? So I really liked the new tire. Um, and I know there was a lot of mixed reviews, but, um, man, I, I, I felt like from a driver standpoint, what I noticed is I felt like, um, I had a lot more tire spin. And that actually tire spin wasn't a bad thing. Like when you looked at the HGW RD tires that we ran out in California, basically my entire career, you really had to pedal them a lot. And it was better when you weren't spinning the tire. You were trying to hook the tire up. When I looked at the H tire, I felt like you had to be way more wide open. You know, they, they would fold over on the sidewall and you'd be riding on the rim. And, uh, you know, they, they just the tire wouldn't recover as much and you couldn't manipulate the race car as much with the H tire is what I felt. And then, uh, you know, you almost had to drive the car a little bit differently. But with these tires, I felt like it put a lot back into the driver's hands. Um, what I noticed is, you know, yes, as a whole, the sprint car community, I felt like was a lot more cushion dependent. You know, you needed to be in the grip, but I felt like it that um you know the racing you know that we did throughout the country the 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 feel of the race car and the maneuverability of the race car was really good um you know i know there's talks of a new tire but what i would really like is i would like to see the same build on the tire but a softer compound i think that would help being able to move guys away from the cushion Uh, we've seen a lot of big crashes this year and i don't think that's because of the tire i think that's because guys are fighting for grip and um, you know, you're not going to see many guys roll off the pedal and get down. What you don't want to see is you don't want to see guys too locked down to where they can run anywhere and you take the, the throttle ability out of it. But, um, I do think that maybe a little bit more grip is a good thing to be able to run away from the cushion. Uh, but all in all, if they kept this tire for the next five years, I would have absolutely zero complaints. I like it. I think it's helped our, um, you know, our program tremendously because you have to be a little bit more. Um, manipulative with a race car. And I think uh, they don't fall off near as much. Uh, they don't, um, you know, I don't see them blistering and chunking out like I did with H's. And 
you know, they're not delaminating like the mediums do or did. Um, I'm pretty happy with them. I think it's good. I think we've had a good product. Really, if we're looking at this year's racing overall, I think we've had a good product for the fans. Uh, I hope that they continue to build on that if they are going to manipulate the car. Did you feel like you had to make a lot of like, I mean, were your packages on your car, different setup wise, shocks, things like that to, to adjust to those? Or was it more like driving changes that you had to make to kind of have to, to, to have a better you know performance or whatever with the new tires? One thing that was tough is like we were no longer able to use our traction control. Like we just could not get that dialed in. And that was really tough for us because we've been pretty dependent on that the last three or four years. Um, but other than that, really, I felt like it just made it easier for drivers like me to be able to manipulate the race car. I felt like things were back into my hands. So when we had a hooked up racetrack, I could run the car, you know, a little bit more wide open and get the right rear up and the car would still maneuver through the racetrack. And then when it was slick, you could back your pedal up and, and you can hook the right side up a little bit more than what I felt like you could with the H tire, or at least to be more competitive. Um, so I really liked it. I didn't feel like it. I mean, it changed our setup tremendously on the race car, but, um, you know, we didn't, we, we don't, for whatever reason, I don't do well when we detune our engines. Um, so we, we mess around with that a little bit this year and we completely have gotten away with that or away from that, which I like, um, you know, so some guys, they run restrictors in the injection and they change nozzles and stuff. And some guys mess with timing, but, um, you know, I think that from the guys I've talked to, a lot of them have gotten away from that due to this tire for whatever reason. So, um, like I said, I'm really happy with it. I'm happy with like what we're doing to the race car to me makes a lot more sense. It's a lot more sound and a lot more normal i guess so i i really i really like what it's done to our, our race car program our setup um you know we didn't change a whole lot but we changed i would say enough to where what we're doing now would definitely not work with the previous tires well i'll let you go here i know you're a busy guy uh, i do want to ask one last question uh are we going to get like a dominic selsey podcast at some point like when do we get to see you do more media stuff i feel like when you've gotten opportunities to get up in the booth with johnny gibson it's been really really fun and i'm wondering if we're going to like get to see more of that in the future my wife is going to hate me now because she's been begging me for years. My brother's been begging me. We've had sponsors and fans that have really hounded me on doing a podcast. And and being completely honest with you, I would love to do a podcast. Why I don't is because the stuff I want to talk about, nobody else wants to talk about. Um, I want to talk about the stories that are, uh, you know, Sunday through Thursday. And when you're on the road and, uh, you know, getting thrown out of bars and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff that, I just, I don't know if many drivers and crews are going to want to open up about that stuff because a lot of them try to leave that stuff in the past when, uh, you know, I just, I had so much fun on the road that I, I think back of all the times that, you know, Scotty Martin more than anyone and Brandon Hickman, uh, when we were on the road, we had so much fun. And I, you know, I, one time I peed my pants at, uh, I think it was Carson's birthday and, uh, we were in Lake Ozark and I peed my pants at the bar one time. And, uh, there's so many stories that I want to tell and that are out there, but, um, Everyone's sponsors, I think, would just cringe, and I don't think the drivers would want to open up as much as I want to open up about stuff like that. So, um, right now, no podcast in the future. I know my brother's working on some stuff, which will be fun, but um, you know, maybe if HBO gives me a run or something, I can do it. But I'd love to have a little podcast on Flow or Dirt Vision or something like that, and and, and do it for fun because I, um, you know, as, as much as I don't like being in the spotlight, I, I tend to somehow have the face for radio and the personality for TV and it, it works well. So um, may, maybe one of these days, but right now, definitely not. Cool. Well, Dominic Salzi, thank you so much for the time today and uh, good luck with your decisions, whatever you decide to make in, in your season in 2024. 
Thanks, Justin. Always enjoy watching the show, and thanks for having me on.